welcome to Kids at Home. I'm Carter Patterson, but you can call me CP. Today's episode is going to be called Sega vs. Nintendo. Let's get started. In 1990, Nintendo accounted for 90% of the US's $3 billion video game sector. Four years later, Sega had leapfrogged it thanks thanks to the popularity of the Genesis, the US name for the Mega Drive. Though it was a feat the company never replicated back in home in Japan. One of the constant themes of the book is that Sega of Japan never shared the scale of Sega of America's success and repeatedly frustrated U.S. Chief Executive Tom Kalinksy's efforts. The leader at Sega Japan was Hayao Nakayama, who was very smart but very harsh, and he really drove the people there to be as successful as their counterparts in America. I think that wore on them. Anytime that you're looking across the ocean, at someone who is in a in a similar position to you and is doing better, I imagine there will be seeds of jealousy. He suggests why Japan put the second Sonic title on sale days ahead of Sonic Tuesday, an effort by the U.S. squad to coordinate the globe's first synchronized launch of a video game. Another, perhaps more important, struggle was over hardware. Mr. Kellings first tried to team up with Sony to create a Sega PlayStation, only to be told that Sega's engineers wanted to develop another console based on 2D sprite graphics rather than rather than Sony 3D polygon approach. Next next he attempted to link up with Silicon Graphics, the firm whose tech has been used to create special effects in Jurassic Park and Terminator 2. But that too was rejected, allowing Nintendo to make use of one of the firm's chip in its Nintendo 64. When the Genesis' successor, the Saturn, did launch it flopped in the US, not least because developers found it difficult to code for and Sony's machine was $100 cheaper. It's amazing that Sega and Sony had its opportunity, had this opportunity to work together and take down Nintendo, but it ended up not working out. And Sony ended up benefiting from that in the long run. There was a phrase coined by Nintendo's Nintendo marketing executive. It was repeated several times in the book. The name, the name of the game is the game. The idea is that the firm was obsessed by the quality of the titles released for its platform, leading it to impose impose restrictions restrictions on how many games other third-party publishers release each year and reserving the right to reject their work if it felt like it didn't meet Nintendo's standards. Sega deliberately took their opposite tack 
resulting in it being able to boast a larger times library and if it had more duds. A central thesis of, of the story of the tortoise and the hare, Sega came on the Sega came on the scene and wore very flashy and certainly put on an emphasis on style. Nintendo was more focused on gameplay, game development, development, and less so on marketing. This strategy appeared to pay off when the release of Donkey Kong Country helped Nintendo regain its lead over Sega just before the end of 1994. The Mr. Harris notes that Nintendo Wii U is now struggling against its brasher rivals, the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. One curiosity unearthed by Mr. Harris is how John Scully, who was then Apple's chief executive, inadvertently intensified this whole console war. The author recounts how Sega's U.S. team wanted to pursue an aggressive marketing campaign involving negative TV ads and a shopping mall tour in which visitors can pay both Sonic and Mario and then pick their favorite. Sonic of America was worried that Japan would block this because of the country's conservative approach to business. But then the San Francisco-based office spoke to Mr. Nakayama, it decided he had just read about Mr. Scully's earlier time at Pepsi and saw the benefits of the strategy. Nakayama was very westernized Japanese business figure, says Mr. Harris. Part of the influence was John Scully, and the reference, Nakayama, had for the cola battles against the U.S. and what Pepsi has done by going head-to-head against Coca-Cola. So, he let, he let, he allowed Tom Kalinxis in America to let, to do so, those sorts of things, which the rest of the company had his board of directors, maybe he didn't agree with. The note holds bear Genesis does what Nintendo campaign soon followed. Sonic and Mario may have personalized the console war, but it could have been very different. The Hedgehog's Chinese Japanese developers originally pictured him with bangs spiked collar, an electric guitar, and a busty human girlfriend named Madonna. Sonic of America reacted with horror and saw the teach character declaring it it would become the first video game film with core demographic of goths. There were a certain edge to, to him and this called a divide. Cause the divide, recalls Mr. Harris. Since Sonic to help since Sonic was created to help Sega succeed in America, Sonic America was given a mandate to make changes. Japan brought a compromise whereby Sonic would make would be allowed to look menacing in certain regions. But the Americans saw the risk in allowing the company's mascot, 
to have a split personality and they ultimately prevailed. In the case of Mario, the writer recalls that the character was only invented because of a failed business deal without which the console war may have begun. Nintendo had been, had been planning to release a game in 1981 based on Popeye in which the superpowered sailor had to rescue his girlfriend Olive Oil by jumping over debris thrown by his archenemy Bluto. But when, when negotiations broke down, designer Shigeru Miyamoto recast the idea as a gorilla chucking barrels at it at the Italian plumber. It was a blessing in disguise because Donkey Kong became the most successful arcade game of all time. It helped Nintendo weather the storm of the video game crash of 1983. It helped Nintendo weather the storm and it ultimately led to Mario, his brother Luigi, and basically what made Nintendo such an alluring and intoxicating place to spend my childhood. Thanks for joining me in this for this first episode of Kids at Home. I hope you enjoyed this podca- podcast. Make sure you tune in to the podcast every weekend. Next week, we'll talk about my top five movies and TV. I'm your host, C.P., And until then, see ya.